0: Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today I have a very special guest. Troy Myers is a college athlete who started buying and selling motorcycles in college After buying and selling over 20 motorcycles between his junior and senior year, he started flipping houses with his wife before redirecting their attention to multifamily investing. Troy has been blessed financially, but also realizes there's much more than building wealth through his faith in Christ. He is leading Troy towards using it for his kingdom. Troy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Appreciate you having
0: me. Uh, Before we get into what you do, I'm always curious, how how did you get to where you're now? are you, you know, was there a family of entrepreneurs you come from? Where does that entrepreneurial spirit come from?
1: Yeah, I don't, I, I there's not a family of entrepreneurs. I, myself and my wife definitely come from W2 kind of families. Um, so really just an ambition and wanting to strive to always uh, improve myself and in my family's position.
0: Was there anything from coming from a W2 family though, yeah. that made you go in the opposite direction? Because that is a drastically opposite, opposite direction.
1: Yeah, no. Um, honestly, I currently have a W two job. As uh, uh, personally, I would like to get out of it, and I think uh, that's going to be sooner rather than later. Um, but I think I think just uh, uh, educating myself and in- on what else is out there, and having the freedom and the flexibility that comes uh, apart from a W two job is really kind of what uh, what stirred my uh, fire for that.
0: 100. percent. I feel you there. Uh, what, what initially sparked your interest in buying and selling these motorcycles? Yeah. I'm so curious about that.
1: Yeah, so I grew up riding dirt bikes and, uh, and so that was kind of uh, what sparked my interest in motorcycles. And then, but my mom didn't want me to get a motorcycle um, but I told her, hey, this deal is so good. If I buy this deal, I can sell it and make money. And and uh, and so so because of that, she allowed me to buy it. Um, I wrote it for a month, and I was like, okay, I I'm gonna see if I can sell this. Ended up, you know, turning a profit. Didn't fix it up. Didn't. I just I just wrote it while I had it. Um, and ended up bought, selling it for about fifteen hundred dollars more than I bought it for. And you know, when you're uh, when you're in college, fifteen hundred dollars is is quite a bit of money. And so I was like, that was cool. Let's try and do it again, and and that kind of snowballed.
0: So w- w- after that first one, then, yeah, was that is that that's is that where everything clicked? And then what was your strategy to purchase them for prices you thought you then could turn it around and flip it for a profit? Like, tell me about the formula and how all that worked.
1: Yeah, so the formula that I that I really focused on was either uh, Craigslist at the time because this was back in like probably 2010, uh, 11, 12, um, and so Craigslist at the time um, or, uh, Facebook marketplace and Facebook marketplace was just becoming new, but my focus was buying it from small towns that didn't have a big, uh, audience. And so I would, I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, but I would travel down to Southern Indiana, um, the, the, uh, small towns in Kentucky, buy them, and then bring them up to Indianapolis and, uh, write a better description, um, and market it better. Um, and, and that's how I would turn the profit. And so really, you know, people ask all the time did I know mechanically did I fix them up did I do anything I didn't do anything other than write it while I had it um but um and then I the the whole buy low sell high um you know I think I would look for posts that you know had been online for a while and I would offer them a thousand dollars under what they were asking or even less and say hey I can be there tomorrow with cash in hand uh but then I wouldn't be in a hurry or desperate to sell it on the other end when people did that to me
0: and you, you said you were doing this during college. So tell us how did college intertwine with this in terms of like, was there anything at all from the education you were getting that helped you with this endeavor?
1: I was an econ major, so of course business uh, is in the is in the background and, and those business concepts. But no, it was strictly buy low, sell high, uh, get enough money so that I could uh, have some fun while in college.
0: Right, and and we're gonna jump into the we're going eventually gonna get to what you do now. I know okay. you went into real estate, and now you're still in there, and you're technically W two USA. But I know I think yep. you're an investor as well. I'm cu- I'm right. curious though. So before we get into that, exactly that stuff is. Do, is there anything then from college that actually played into <laughs> what you do? And, and and it's okay to dig. Look, I teach at two universities and I'm still okay with saying uh, most of college is a waste of time and money.
1: Yeah. I think did it play into what I do now. Yes. Um, as far as did college, I think college got me into the door to the job that I'm working now. Okay. Um, so I think it was a barrier of entry. Do I think that it was, uh, that the material was substantial to what I'm doing now? I would say no.
0: Amazing. Yeah. You just hear it over and over again. I'm really glad you clarified that. It's, it's like, it seems like it's a barrier to entry if anything. Yeah. 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 What, what skills or lessons then do you think that, you know, when you went through your, I think it was 20 or so sales with the, with the mark, with the motorcycles carried into real estate?
1: Yeah, don't be afraid to make offers. Don't be afraid to be told no. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, there's there were many times that I would make an offer and they would basically tell me to go pack sand. Uh, but then two weeks later, they'd be like, hey, is that offer still good? So you never I mean, just not being afraid of uh, being told no and uh, rejection.
0: Yeah, huge. so huge. So huge. Yeah. Uh, for everybody. I know rejection is hard. It's hard for people yeah, to take personally, professionally on all of that. Yeah. With, especially. And then even if you get the rejection professionally, then you somehow it, you're still a human. So you take it per, uh, personally in some kind of way. Uh, sure. You, when you got into real estate, tell us how you were dipping your toes into it. Like what exactly were you doing?
1: Yeah. So um, the first first real estate play that we bought. Um, My wife and I were when we were engaged at the time and I just wanted a house for us to move into once we uh, got married. And so we bought a for I bought a foreclosed house. Um, And and like I said, this was I think the first house that we that I purchased was in 2013. So, you know, you could still find some foreclosures, some short sales and stuff like that. So I kind of focused on that because I heard that that's kind of a good, good, place to start and and gain some equity. I I like to hustle. I like to put sweat equity in. So I wasn't afraid of that. Um, But I also wanted more uh, putting lipstick on a project rather Mm -hmm. than having to do structural work and stuff like that. So I knew enough to be dangerous. You know, this was also at the height of HGTV. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, between, you know, what I knew, what I knew from friends and family, um, kind of knew what I was looking for. So I bought, we bought a three bed, two bath, foreclosed house, close to where I grew up. And, uh, so I knew the market pretty well. Um, and and it was $95,000 at the time. Um, and, uh, and so really just put lipstick on it, you know, switched out the carpets, painted the walls, um, really just put a refresher on it. We painted the kitchen cabinets, put new countertops on it. Uh, but it wasn't a heavy lift at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's
0: really what got me started. When, what then was there a pivotal moment or experience though, that once you started flipping houses like this is, cause it sounds like essentially that's what that was that made you want to focus more on multifamily.
1: Um, so that one so we moved into that one and for tax purposes uh we lived in it for we owned it for two years lived in it for a majority of that two years and uh then we flipped it um and we ended up selling it for 155 um and that then we snowballed that into the next one and we actually did that with our primary resident three different three or four different times before we kind of got into a more established home and my wife was like hey I don't really want to move every two years anymore. And my job, my W2 job, I've worked as a multifamily developer for a national multifamily firm. Um, And so I've, I had that, you know, that this is eight years into my, you know, seven, eight years in my career. So I've seen the benefits and kind of got a competitive advantage in the multifamily space because I, do that on on the daily and so that's where i was like okay well let's dip our toes into duplexes and triplexes and small multi uh since we're not wanting to flip our primary resident every two years and my wife has a w-2 job i have a w-2 job and so we had the capital um Mm -hmm. to invest in some small multi-family um but we didn't necessarily have all the time to just keep putting our time and effort in flips on a consistent basis.
0: Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Like that's a logical sequence of how it would work. I yep. I'm with you. Like I, I did the same thing as you guys in the sense of my first house, same thing, lipsticked it. There wasn't a yep. lot of really, there was some structural stuff, but I'm like, I guess, you know, I, I was a carpenter since I was age 13. So I, I could do some of that stuff and I was happy to do it. It was a beautiful endeavor uh, flipped it again for, for kind of the same kind of profit you're talking about. And then moved into the bigger house but i couldn't imagine either doing yep. that over like for like a, over a decade or something. at some point it's got to right. stop and then you do get enough capital you can then get in that bigger stuff so so that right. that was great I, I would just recommend to anybody who's listening like man you, you you can that two year the way it works with the two years is still in play like yep. it's a way to house hack like you can still you can still make it happen you just have to maybe not have the brand new car or go on vacation and sacrifice exactly. for, for a few years so the word sacrifice kind of brings me to my next question here. And I'm not saying you have to sacrifice uh, what you're doing right now in order to, you know, keep your, your faith aligned with your business endeavors, but how do you find balance between yeah. all, all, doing it, doing all of that and maintaining, maintaining your faith. And how does that play into what you do?
1: Yeah. So um, recently, one of the things that I've put into play um, is, is just protecting my morning and having that, the 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 kind of the miracle morning you know the book miracle morning and everything like that you know I do I I think different people have different opinions about how that how that looks in their own personal life and i I've adapted it to how it looks in my life but like you know uh, really setting your priorities from the very beginning um, and having that unhurried time in the morning where you can do devotions, do some affirmations um, and just, you know, get clarity. Um, And so, you know, really my priority list that I I literally write out each morning, like I'm a third grader is, you know, keep your priorities straight, which is faith first, family second, and then everything else will fall into play. Um, And so really it's just that uh, consistent uh, reiteration to myself um, that that those are my priorities, and those are, and if if something if 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 work is getting in the way of family time, you know that I have my priorities at a lack, and of course. You know, take it with a grain of salt because there are going to be times that you know there's the balancing act that needs to happen. But it's that for me, it's that consistent um, discipline of of reminding myself what my priorities are every day. Because uh, throughout the day, I'll I'll fail at it. But like every morning, just realigning yourself and your priorities.
0: I love that. Uh, yeah. I, you what did you call it the magic morning? Miracle morning. Miracle morning. Yeah. I, I call it the golden hours. Um, okay, so go. I, I love, but I, but like I have interviewed uh, several hundred very successful entrepreneurs. You're, you're, you're one of them, um, who obviously, and almost every single one, yeah. it takes their mornings very seriously. Um, they're usually very clean and sober. They have they, a lot of them have, are either guided by, by Christ or, or, or okay. in some sort of way. They, you know, they have definitely a a rigorous uh, faith imp- implemented into their life I just interviewed another guy too uh, I can't remember what his name is right off the top of my head but he 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 reinforced one very important part for me is he goes um, he said it when you wake up he goes for me it's like if 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 somebody was watching if there was a like a, a fly on the wall how soon or you like you were being recorded right sort of like the Truman yeah. movie how would how how soon after you woke up would somebody, know you're a Christian. And, and I I go, Oh, that's very interesting. Like what an interesting, like sort of test that you put yourself to. And I go, well, how do you do it? And he says, I try to pray the rosary within the first 15 minutes that I'm up and I'm a Catholic too. So, so I've started doing that too. So I love your approach to that too. It sounds like you, we would know within the first 15, 20 minutes where where your compass is. Um, so I, so I have another question about Christ and that would be how, how has your faith in Christ influenced your approach to wealth building and investment decisions?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, it has a huge effect on it. And I think one of the biggest things that is, it's not all about me. Um, And that's really the mentality that Mm -hmm. you got that you got to take out of it. Because, you know, we know real estate business is a cutthroat business. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I say is, I love what I do but I want to do it with people that I love. And, and you don't always do get to do that in real estate is sometimes you're forced to work with people who don't have the same values, don't have the same morals, morals as you. Uh, as a W-2 employee, I would say that that's more prevalent than if you can make the decisions for yourself and for your business. Um, and so- you know, really just uh, putting your values into play in your business and in your real estate, um, I think is is super important. And like, what's that look like? You know, that looks like, you know, uh, giving grace where grace is needed. Um, that looks like knowing how to keep people accountable, um, but also, you know, implementing empathy and grace into those kind of conversations and decisions and being OK to talk about your faith and how that how you're like, Hey, yeah, I know the deadline was here, but I know you had X, Y, and Z happen. And because of that, you know, I'll I'll give you grace this time, but we need to make sure that we're hitting the deadline, just handling yourself in that appropriate manner throughout all decisions that you're making uh, within your business.
0: I love that word that you use. Yeah. That, that is grace. The word, that word has been coming up a lot lately in my life too. And I've even tried to explain to my daughter how important it is to have grace with both of her parents, you know, she's she's trying not to take sides in certain things and and all this as she grows. So so beautiful. Uh, what advice would you give to young entrepreneurs or investors who are who are trying to navigate the intersection of their personal values or faith with their professional pursuits, especially in a competitive market like this? Like, what other kind of layer could you give them? If there was just one piece of advice you could give them about maybe they have a struggle for it. I mean, let's be honest in the society we live in right yeah. now. Uh, You know, if you came out and you, uh, I think we live in a secular society. So how, how do you, how do you make that happen?
1: Yeah, I think it's consistent discipline. Um, and, and, and it takes, you know, you're going to fail at it multiple times throughout the day, throughout the weeks and stuff like that, but bring yourself back to be balanced and to be aligned under Christ, um, as much as you can is, is super important. One, of one of the, one thing that I will share is the last, this past Sunday at our, at our church, the, uh, the message was on uh contentment and being discontent and mm-hmm. i think that that that's been i've i've uh you know that's been stirring in my heart is like being content where you are but not but not giving up the ambition to get somewhere else or to get to that next step but you still have to have contentment of where god's put you right now and and so and what how's that look that's gonna that's gonna be different for everybody they're every god's gonna Different ambitions and goals on everybody's life, but if you constantly have anxiety to get to that next step, or if you constantly have anxiety over, hey, what am I not doing that could progress me? Then, then I would say that that's an indicator that you don't have contentment in where Christ has put you right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The past is past, the present's a gift, and the future's unknown, right? Exactly. Um, and then we're still moving into the future constantly, so let's reflect on just a little bit of that past if, if we could reflecting on yeah. your journey so far what what do you consider the most rewarding aspect of your uh, of using your financial uh, success for for a greater purpose
1: yeah so um i mean I, I would say being able to impact uh friends and family in a positive way um we my wife and i we've been very adamant about tithing and giving to the church um you know the the 10% that's due to christ the first the first fruits. Um, and so we've been doing that. Um, I will say that I feel like at this point in our career, we're being able to get more and more, uh, uh, past that 10% in in other areas that we want to give and we want to, uh, uh, uh Uh, give give our money or or our gifts to but at the same time it's never easy you know being coming from the w2 mindset Mm -hmm. and it's never easy to just be open-handed and say and because that's it it doesn't matter how much money you have uh it's still trusting god in in that the money that you have uh is his and he's going to produce more for you and he's going to give you everything you need um and most of your wants you know it doesn't matter if you have a thousand dollars in the bank or a million dollars in the bank, um, giving 10% and even giving it over and above, if you're called to do that is not always the easiest, but we're called to do it. And so it's a discipline that we need to uh, be implementing in our lives.
0: Yeah. And tr- and trusting in that for sure. Like you just yeah. said, it's a, it's a, it's having a mindset of abundance, right? Genesis 128, yeah. be fruitful yeah. and multiply. I'm yeah. with you there. Yeah. A, a, a lot. We could, everybody would benefit much more if, yeah. if we had that mindset over abundance than scarcity. Uh, we're running up on the the end of the interview here, sure. um, and I've got two questions I ask every guest. First one is knowing what you know now and if you could go back in time to when you first started your your endeavors here with everything you do in real estate. What is one piece of advice you give your former self?
1: I would say uh, don't upgrade too fast. <laughs> My wife and I, when we, when we took steps up in our, in our personal uh, houses and personal real estate careers, um, you know, we would, we went from the 1500 square foot to the 3500 square foot to the 6000 square foot. Mm. And, and and we always joke because, you know, our, our first mortgage was $530. We're like, man, that house had everything we needed. It was simple. It was nice. It was a three bed, two bath, two car garage. I know you can't get that everywhere, but you know, back in 2013, we could get that here in the Indianapolis suburb. And so, um, you know, I would say I, a lot of people who I'm coaching right now, I'm telling them to house hack as much as possible, uh, because I think that's a huge tool to use that I didn't get. I mean, I did. I did a little bit just a because, bit. Mm-hmm. you know, put the primary. But like if you can house hack and if you can keep stacking on that, I think that that's a huge concept to use right now.
0: 100%. And it's still it's it's the opportunity is still there all over. Despite course, the crappy interest rates, You, you can do it. Uh, okay. Last question here. If, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to find, follow you, um, get, how can they do that?
1: Yeah. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. My, uh, Instagram handle is probably the best. Uh, it's Troy underscore Myers underscore. Um, and so definitely reach out. Uh, and, and I, I post our Airbnbs. I post our long-term, uh, portfolio on there and would love to connect with, uh, investors.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time.
1: Thanks, Lance.